Hi, this is Jeffrey Tucker, and you're listening to the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You might also consider supporting this podcast by sharing it and even donating. LCI needs your help so it can continue creating great content. Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the statist quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm Doug Stewart, and with me today is Nick Gosling, and today we're continuing our discussion of our Libertarian Christian Core Values, and this week's episode is Libertarian Christian Core Value number three. You can find our mission, vision, and core values at libertarianchristians.com slash mission, and you can kind of read everything there. Uh, what we're doing is we're going over what our organization is all about and what we believe every Christian libertarian ought to be able to affirm uh, in their beliefs. So, Libertarian Christian core value number three says this, Individual liberty and the common good are not at odds. We believe that God is intrinsically relational, uh, as God is a trinity, and so we also believe that Christians are created to live in community. We believe that sin has marred the communal relationship for which we were created by pitting individuals against God, against one another, and against the earth for which we are called to be wise stewards. We believe that affirming the dignity, worth, and rights of the individual as an image-bearer of God is the first step toward restoring authentic, Christ-centered community among diverse individuals. And we believe that because society is comprised of individuals, a healthy society requires healthy individuals. Through voluntary cooperation and respect for freedom, people can join together to trade, innovate, create, collaborate, share, and build a world that simultaneously respects the individual and betters our neighbor. One of the reasons that we wanted this to be a core value and the way that we stated it as we did, you know, we wanted to talk about individualism. In our era, the idea of individual liberty sometimes appears as if it is against the common good, uh, the concept of the common good, because that tends to have this collectivism ring to it. And yet, while we wanted to talk about individual liberty, we also wanted to pair it with the common good because we don't believe those things are at odds. It is very common to talk about the good of the group or the, the good of society and any individual and especially libertarians are often accused of being overly individualistic, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in this episode, kind of how do, how do we respond to the, that accusation? So I, th- I think it's best if we start off with the idea of being created to live in community. Nick, could you explain to us why that's an important aspect of our core values? Well, primarily it goes back to the core of theology itself which is the essence and character of God. And so if you go back and you look, for example, at some of the early Christian writings on the Trinity, for example, Augustine's famous book on on the Trinity, we get this idea that community is at the essence of who God is, because God is three persons. He's not one person, he's three persons in one essence. And so you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and that is a communal relationship. And part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we likewise are meant to exist in communal relationships as God does. And we see this sort of structured and and imaged in society in 
multiple ways. You can think of multiple different forms of community, families, churches, voluntary organizations, businesses, your friends. These are all communities, and they all ultimately go back and reflect that primary or first and ultimate community that exists within the essence and and character of God himself. So we have to start with that sort of operative premise that community flows out of the essence of who God is. And therefore, likewise, you know, as image bearers, we are called to show forth that aspect of his, his character. And another part of that is that because we are designed and created to live in community, the other purposes for which God created us, for example, to, to build civilization, to reign and be good stewards and rulers over the earth. I mean, these are all things that sort of flow out of this because it means that we need one another, right? We can't, no one person is capable of fulfilling those mandates in and of themselves. We need other people to cooperate, to trade with, to collaborate, to build things, to innovate. So community is is an essential and integral part of who we are because it is an essential and integral part of who God is. And that has ramifications for economics, sociology, uh, political theory, all these sorts of things that we often talk about on this show and, and through LCI. It, it all kind of flows out of that. Uh, so that's why starting with the, the Trinity and the relationship within the Trinity, the, the, the loving and collaborative relationship within the Trinity— is our primary starting point for this core value. It's not common for libertarians to start off with a core value or with something that's uh, important to them by starting with that we were designed to live in community. And I think that's one of the distinctions that the Libertarian Christian Institute has is that we, we believe that that's actually part of why we're libertarians. It's not because we're hyper-individualists where we you know we think everyone ought to be hermits and, and never interact with one another, quite the opposite, actually. It's definitely important to start uh, conversations with people who are maybe on the left with saying that we value the cooperation and community that we were created to live in. The problem is that there's this thing called sin. And whether you're talking with a, you know, a Christian or not, I think it's pretty fair to say that there's something wrong with humanity in in a very broad sense. And what what I mean by that is that we're kind of plagued by this disease. We could call it sin. We could call it uh, anything else. I don't even have other words to call it because I'm I'm just using that word. Um, But we're prone to kind of rebel against our original original design, our original makeup. We're pitted against God. Uh, God has aims to rescue us and has hopes for us. God loves us, wants us to flourish, and is ever working toward doing that. And yet, sin keeps us from doing that. Sin keeps us from regularly seeking God rather than not doing that. And it's only through the Holy Spirit and through following Christ that we are actually able to reach God. And so we're also, because we're alienated from God in a sense, and that we are kind of prone to rebel against God, we're also pitted against one another. We become tribal in a very dangerous way because it's us versus them. We demonize other people because they may not be like us, they may not look like us, they may not think like us. 
And there's some instinctual aspects to that on the one hand, but on the other, it's definitely not in keeping with God's vision for humanity for people to be othering each other, to use a Girardian expression. We don't want to be putting other people as our enemies when there's no reason to do that. In fact, what we want to do is take people who are likely to be our enemies and actually cooperate and find ways to peacefully work together because it is pretty easy to become enemies with people if we're only thinking about ourselves and if we expect them to only think about themselves. Now, there's some caveats to that, of course, and some nuance, but we are pitted against one another if we are plagued by sin. The other thing we are pitted against is the earth. Now, it might sound like we're being a little like high environmentalists here, but what we mean by that is if God by nature intends for humans who take care of creation and what sin does is affect it in such a way that we are not inclined to do that, then we are likely going to misuse and abuse the earth. Uh, we would exploit it, not in the economic sense of making good use of it, but exploit it as in the pejorative sense, that we are going to damage it and we don't take care of it because we don't value it as much as we value other things. So I guess the simple way of summing that up is that we must fight to be for things, to be for God, to be for one another, and to be for caring for the earth that we were created on, because sin has cursed us to be against them. So what's the cure to this? It's very common today to hear that we just need to have this collective will or the political will to solve the problems that plague humanity and come together. And there's just a lot of collectivist style language that just is oozing out of our national conversation. And it really is dangerous because it ignores the fact that individuals are individuals. And even if the people who are kind of speaking these platitudes aren't really intending that, it's having that unintentional consequence because then what happens is individualism gets left behind and it has a very important role to play in healing what's wrong with our world. So the cure is not to resort to collectivism with this whole, like, we're all one big family, which is in one sense true, but we have to start with honoring the individual. And we need to qualify our terms regarding what we mean by individualism. So most people, if they are typically anti-libertarian, when they hear individualistic or individualism, what they're going to be thinking is this idea of, oh, well, you only take care of yourself. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamentally selfish attitude in the worst way, uh, completely introspective, inward-looking only thinking about oneself. Uh, in some cases, one might even say it's almost existential. It's basically this idea that there is no concern outward towards the community or towards other people or anything of that sort. Well, that's not what we mean when we're talking about individualism. What we're talking about is the sense of individual self-determination as a being who has the ability to think, to make choices, to be free under God, and to go forward with freedom of conscience and, and freedom of the will. And we don't necessarily even mean that in, the, in a theological sense of freedom of the will, although there's an argument that could be made for, for that as well from some libertarian Christians. But we mean it just in, in the human sense, in the political sense, freedom of the will, the, the ability to go forward and create things, to trade, to innovate. That's what it means to support individualism 
in this context. It means individual rights, individual liberty. Hey folks, Norman Horn here from LCI. Would you do us a quick favor and rank us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe to us? High rankings helps us get the word out there. And now let's get back to the show. One way that I think about it is that it honors the agency that individuals have in making decisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's and and so this is this is very different from the the sort of caricature that we often hear from those on the left, even the Christian left, because it's not at all intrinsically set against societal good, communal good. Uh, in fact, we would contend that without this, without the ability to cooperate freely and to innovate and trade and, and work on a free market and a free and open society, you can't actually have the good of the collective or the good of the society. Precisely, it's just, it's just the way the fabric of the universe is structured. It doesn't work. Precisely for all these other reasons we've talked about, including in, and ultimately going back to where we started, which is the communal essence of God, which then flows out into humanity. Because that is a necessity, you can't get the goal of a free and prosperous and growing and healthy society apart from the means which include the right of of individual self-determination or what we would call, quote-unquote, individualism in the libertarian context. It should also be said that while our core values as individual liberty and the common good are not at odds, it might, as Nick kind of said, the common good or the the good of the collective, it depends on respect for the individual. And we want to communicate that those things can work together, of course. One of the things that is troubling to see, and and I guess it's natural, I'm sure I've done this too, so maybe I should give people a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but when I talk with people on Facebook or watch conversations take place, oftentimes there's this accusation of over-individualism or hyper-individualism, and the, you know, for Christians who are debating like the interpretation of certain passages, there has been in some respect in Western Christianity this overemphasis of the individual, as in, you know, we read the scripture as if God wrote it to us individually, you know, as if God wrote this you know, or Paul wrote this letter and God through the Holy Spirit was writing this letter so that Nick Gosling would personally interpret it and understand it in a certain way so that he could go and live his life. And then on one level, that's kind of true. God wanted the Bible to be preserved so that we would each be able to read it and the Holy Spirit could empower us to live a Christ-like life. So there is a sense in which that's true, but it's not true that God wrote the Bible and addressed it directly to me. It was preserved on our behalf, as I like to say, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it's also a problem when we react to that over-individualist interpretation and kind of ignore the individual by going to the scripture and say, well, you know, Jesus wants us to all love one another, and, you know, Jesus uh, was talking to collectives or to groups of people who were following him or to the church in general, or Paul was writing to this particular church in general, not necessarily to specific people. And so the individualist interpretation is simply wrong. And so what happens is the pendulum swings to the other side and it ignores the value of the individual. That sort of infiltrates our political thinking as well and basically 
what ends up happening is the individual is relegated to the side. And if there's an individual who objects to something happening politically, it's, oh, well, you just you just need to join the collective or you need to admit that you're part of society or people will throw out things like, well, there's just an implicit social contract, which is not even a scriptural concept. But it, there's this implicit social contract that you're part of, you know, you were born into a community of people, whether it's a smaller church community or just, just our country or, or whatever. And so the idea of collective unit takes over as priority or as predominant over the individual. So respect for the individual is paramount. And we've probably said that a hundred times already in this, in this short episode. Uh, but the cure is not to resort to collectivism. It's not to discount the fact that we actually are made for community. That's not the same as affirming some sort of collectivism. The solution is, and if you've been a libertarian for longer than 10 minutes, you probably know, is voluntarism. And in order for cooperation to be cooperation, it has to be voluntary. You cannot force cooperation. I mean, you can, but then it's not really voluntary, and now you're having other ethical problems. Right. So, Along those lines, and I mean, this is something that we talk about just all the time uh, as not only as LCI, but just libertarians in general, and we address this elsewhere within our core values statement, is this really just goes back to the non-aggression principle. You know, of what Doug says, cooperation has to be voluntary. Right? What that means is that you can't go around and, and coerce cooperation out of people, certainly not through legislation. Uh, by making them be charitable or do what you think they ought to do, um, I, mean, I mean that doesn't that doesn't actually work. Uh, number one, I mean for for a variety of reasons, it, psychological, sociological, it builds up resentment, all these sorts of things. But it's also not even economically efficient. It breaks down because there's no profit incentive. There's no uh, d d ability of the individual to benefit positively from that work. It's just really to avoid a negative consequence. And so it, it doesn't really bear the full fruit of what happens in a pure free market cooperative system. So that cooperation in voluntarism must be, well, it's in the name, voluntarism, voluntary. It must be voluntary uh, in order to actually work and be efficient. Whereas the state operates on the opposite model, which is coerced cooperation or coerced obedience. And for a whole host of reasons, this just does not actually even work. So the sort of leftist collectivist ideal, exemplified in its most extreme forms in, in full communism, uh, is, is intrinsically self-defeating. right? And, and we've seen that. We've seen every communist regime in history ultimately disintegrates for for this reason, among others, but this is always a, a major reason why uh, you can't centrally plan society through the state from some ivory tower or through academia or in, in anything. Central planning of society and central planning of the economy does not work. However, the natural order that arises out of the pure market uh, has been proven to work. Time and time again. Uh, and so we here at LCI would contend that not only is this the most functional 
or, or even you could use the word utilitarian, although it's not how we approach it, but it is the most, uh, has the maximal utility for the growth of the economy and society. But it's also, most importantly, the only ethical, theologically based view of looking at society as an extension of the Trinitarian God. Well, as we wrap up this episode, I think it's important to say that the next core value, which we'll be talking about, is that social institutions matter for human flourishing. And this actually leads into very well because we do believe that because of what we're saying today, that we believe that we were made to live in community. Well, how that happens is actually really the core of what libertarianism is saying. It can't be done violently. That's kind of the key there. And so flourishing needs to happen when we have the the right kinds of social institutions, which we'll leave for the next episode. If you would like to reach out to us to tell us what you think about these core values, best place to reach us is podcast at libertarianchristians.com. Let us know what you think. And of course, we'd be happy for you to share this with your friends and let them know what uh, libertarian Christians believe. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. The audio engineers were Doug Stewart and Jason Rink, and voiceovers were by Matthew Bellis and Caitlin Horn. If you'd like to find out more about the LCI, please visit us on the web at www.libertarianchristians.com.